0: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser.
1: Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Warren Berger today. Warren is a questionologist, and let me just tell you, Uh, If you've never heard of that, I think uh, today's going to be an amazing episode for you because the quality of your life is a direct reflection of the quality of the questions you are asking yourself. And Tony Robbins said that. And I love that quote, but I also love to take that a step further because I believe that the quality of your relationships, the quality of the relationships that develop, is really you know, a direct reflection of the quality of the questions that you ask others. The quality of the intellect that you develop is directly in relation to the quality of the questions that you ask others and that you ask and that you demand of yourself. The quality of your leadership is in direct proportion to the level of quality questions that you ask. And so today we're gonna to be talking about beautiful questions. We're gonna be talking about why questions are more important than answers and how you can really develop your innovation, your creativity, and satisfy, and perhaps even deepen that strength of the curiosity that's so important for adaptation, for long-term success, whether you're a real estate investor, an entrepreneur, or a leader. This is an important episode. I'm really excited to dive into what being a questionologist is all about uh, and and into the beautiful mind of Warren Berger. So buckle up because today's gonna be awesome. And I wanna ask you the question that I always ask, are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt we're gonna be doing that today. I wanna welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. And this is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar, personally and professionally, to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond we will distill the mindset the habits routines the systems the strategies the questions and so much more from an individual like warren Berger, so that you can apply this and so that you can elevate to a life without limits by developing systems in your life by developing the mindset appropriate that is appropriate towards overcoming obstacles towards overcoming challenges towards you know, really becoming the highest version of yourself, which is what it's all about. It's about constant and never ending improvement. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing, through personal growth, through personal mastery, through asking quality questions. And of course, through developing ventures as a result, through developing a real estate portfolio, through developing other business systems so that they can give you practical means towards living with more freedom, living with more time, living with more options and living with more fulfillment. Because at the end of the day, I don't know about you guys, but I've been there where I tolerated my life and I'm never going back. And I hope that you will declare that you are never going back as well. Because man, I tell you, there is, uh, there's so much available to us if we give ourselves the opportunity to really step into that. You know, If we face that fear, if we face that uncertainty, if we face that discomfort, what can we create? And I'm telling you, I believe that there's anything that we can create, it's anything is possible. Nothing is out of the realm of possibilities for you. So that is what Elevate's all about. I want you to elevate to a life without limits and really step into what you were designed to do. You were designed, number one, to be great. Number two, to really let your pure talents, your God-given talents and abilities, you were born to let those shine. So don't let those be squashed. Just because of a little bit of self doubt, a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety. Let's go right through that. And so, I want to give you the tools to be able to do that through Elevate Podcast. And if you are enjoying Elevate, we invite you to subscribe. If you have not done so already, please just hit that subscribe button and definitely uh, it will help you because we are bringing the heat. We are bringing massive value twice a week, sometimes even three times a week, once a month with uh, yours truly. We'll see, maybe I'll do that more often in the future. I'm really enjoying that, but uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show because we are bringing world-class individuals. We're bringing world-class insights and distinctions straight to you, straight to your phone, your desktop, your mobile device, whatever that may be. So go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating and review. That is very, very important to us um, if you are enjoying that. So that's the fee is just to subscribe, rate and review one step further is to share this with a friend share this with your network and share this with people that you care about whether you work with them whether they're on your team whether they are colleagues whether they're partners whether they are you know in your family your friends share this with one other person today so i want to give you the opportunity to grab that link and share that or screenshot this episode and share this with the friends share elevate because we are all about one person at a time so we want to add value to you And uh, we definitely invite you to do that. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this episode. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast. And I want to invite you also to go check out elevatepod.com. That's our website. That's where you can find all the show notes, the links, the resources, where you can contact our guests, all that good stuff, where you can learn more about them, where you can learn more about the other services that we offer through Elevate, whether it's coaching, whether it's investing with us, uh, whether it's a group coaching program. You name it, just go to elevatepod.com. It's all there. And of course, the Facebook community at Elevate Podcast Community on Facebook. Go deeper with the tribe and build relationships. Expand your learning beyond the show. Just go over to Elevate Podcast Community on Facebook. You can also find that through elevatepod.com again. So that is my housekeeping, and I am looking forward to diving in and introducing you to Warren Berger, who is a questionnologist And he is an author of eight books, including the bestseller, A More Beautiful Question, and the follow-up of The Book of Beautiful Questions. He teaches questioning skills to teachers at schools around the country and at companies such as Starbucks, PepsiCo, Disney. And he also writes occasionally for Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, and Psychology Today. And let me just tell you, we are barely scratching the surface, so I want to invite you to enjoy and really learn from this amazing conversation with the great Warren Berger. Hey guys, before we dive into the conversation, uh, I wanted to just make a brief announcement. You may be, first of all, you may be asking yourself a very powerful question. Why is Tyler still here without Warren Berger? And uh, I wanted to give you a quick uh, look behind the curtain. We actually had a brief technical difficulty as we were beginning this conversation, unfortunately. Uh, But fortunately, we really captured uh, the majority of the essence of an amazing conversation with Warren Berger. But I wanted to give you a clue into how we started this conversation that uh, unfortunately did not make it to recording. We were, of course, getting kind of settled in the conversation and getting familiar with each other. But the first uh, thing that we really started diving into, which I think is extremely powerful and we need to make sure that we are uh, tapping into this is releasing the four-year-old master questioner inside of all of us. And so I think ultimately what you will find through this part of the conversation is that curiosity and creativity has been perhaps squashed in many of us as we grow older and as we, you know, become more uh, acclimated with the world or as an adult. And so releasing that four-year-old master questioner inside of all of us is really how we began this conversation. So you will actually get started in A little bit of the middle of Warren describing what he means by that, but I think you'll get completely caught up. So with all that said, enjoy this amazing conversation with the great Warren Berger.
0: And, um, and so what I, I say is like what we should aspire to do as adults is a little bit going back to that, you know, that, that sense of constant learning, um, because it's so valuable and it's so good to do. Now we can't be like four-year-olds. I mean, we can't, we can't necessarily badger people with questions all the time and do some of the things that a four-year-old does that might, might not be acceptable behavior in an adult. But there are things they do that the four-year-old does that we can definitely do. I mean, they just, they kind of look at the world with a little bit more of a open mind. You know, they don't bring quite so many um, biases to things. They're, they're, they're more open. And, uh, and then the other thing is that they just, they wonder about stuff and they're not afraid to ask. They're not afraid of looking stupid. They'll ask basically any question. And so these are all habits that, you know, um, we kind of lose over time. And I, one of the things I say is, you know, as much as possible, try to think of yourself as trying to be more like that, that when you can
1: how can we reinvigorate that habit? Is it more so bringing the awareness to the to the place where you know, hey, I haven't been a questioner for a while, or is there anything yeah. else that you would suggest?
0: Um, it's all habit, and like any habit, you, it happens as you do it. So I think it's about making an effort. Uh, any any habit, uh, you have to you have to just sort of force yourself to do it initially. It's it's not may, might not be totally comfortable the first times you're doing it. So that's the, the hurdle is like, how do you get yourself to do something that maybe you're not used to doing and that might feel a little funny at first, but there are little things you can do. There are baby steps you can take. You know, I say to people, you know, you go to the, um, the, the Starbucks coffee shop or whatever, and you, you know, um, ask a question that you might not, you know, ask the barista about how they've they came up with that blend or, or, you know, what, what is, uh, what's something interesting about what they do. And there are opportunities like that almost every day as on your way to work. And then you can then carry that over to your job. If you're in a, in a workplace, you know, there are so many opportunities to ask the people around you, your colleagues about what they do or about maybe, uh, some process that you're all used to doing together but maybe everyone takes it for granted and you know you could be the one who occasionally says hey you know have we thought about why we are using this process um does it still work uh, are there other things we should be considering um you know be the person who's willing to um ask those questions because it takes a little bit of guts to ask those kinds of questions you know you're you're being the, um, the naive person in the room. And a lot of people don't want to be that. They don't want to seem that way. So they're reluctant. But um, there's tremendous value in having a person do that, like within a company or within an organization. Um, even though they might seem a little, they might, frankly, they might seem annoying at times when they do that, <laughs> when, they, when they ask, why are we doing it this way? There's tremendous value in that. You know, and you can talk to great business leaders about that, and they will tell you that that is a really valuable thing. There was um, Steve Jobs had said uh, that one of the most important things he learned running when he was running Apple was that um, he would go around throughout the company. He would go through every department of the company, and he would ask, why are we doing it this way? Why are we using, if we're shipping the product in this way, why are we using that system? And he would um, constantly force people to have to challenge the assumptions of uh, the, the the habits, the, the established ways of doing things. So I think we can all do that. I mean, we can all do what Steve Jobs did on some level. We can we can go throughout the company or out throughout our department, or we can go to our colleagues, we can go to our clients. And we can be the one who's willing to ask those kind of questions. Um, questions that challenge the assumptions
1: you know it really resonates with me because i think back to when i got started as a real estate investor myself i recognized in years later that the reason for many of my failures was because i was not humble enough to ask questions for things right. that i didn't know and I, I didn't want to show people that i didn't know things but the paradox that i've noticed is that the most successful people that i know And that i surround myself with are the ones who ask the most questions and the best questions does that resonate with you warren
0: oh yeah it's totally true and the paradox you mentioned the paradox the paradox is really interesting because if you look at leaders who are good questioners um i really think there's almost a revolution going on right now in leadership and and there's a transition from the old style of leadership which was very authoritarian Uh, Very much the leader is the boss, and the boss knows everything, and the boss has all the answers, and the boss is super confident, never shows weakness. That was kind of the traditional model of leadership. Now we're transitioning, I believe, into this new model, and you see it in a lot of younger successful leaders. Um, And you see that new model is uh, very much a questioner, a questioning leader. So the, that kind of a, a leader is not afraid to show vulnerability. Uh, that kind of leader is not afraid to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. Um, we're trying to figure this out together. I need your help. We're all, we're all in this together. We're trying to figure it out, but I can't tell you everything. I can't tell you what to do all the time. And that's kind of a new, um, it's a new approach to leadership. But what's interesting is there's a, there's a real tension there. That's the paradox. And the tension is in order to be that kind of a leader, um, you have to have this incredible balance between humility and confidence. So you have to be super humble and super confident at the same time. So you have to be humble enough to admit that you don't have all the answers, right? But then you have to be confident enough to say, I'm willing to say that, I'm willing to do that. And I know people are still gonna follow me. Even if I show vulnerability, even if I say I don't have all the answers, I don't have to put on an act. I can be genuine, and I still am confident that people are going to follow me. So, um, so that's, the, that's kind of the tension and the challenge for new leaders. Can they, can they have that balance of the new humility, but also be confident, which is the old model of leadership, can they bring these two things together?
1: So interesting. And uh, thank you for sharing that because that's a, that's a huge distinction. You think about the humility and confidence. There's a total polarity in those two things, but if you mesh them, it makes sense. It's like standing. It's like what Robert Kiyosaki talks about on every coin. There's two sides and there's an edge. You stand on the edge and you look at both sides. That's the measure of intelligence really. At the end of the day, it's balancing the paradox. Would you agree to that?
0: Yeah, and those paradoxes are so interesting. I mean, when you get into the world of questioning, you see paradoxes everywhere. Like the paradoxes that I find really interesting is the idea that, you know, there's almost a tension between questioning and expertise, right? So so if you're the expert, you're supposed to know already, right? And so you don't have to ask a lot of questions. Um, And the reality is that the experts should be asking questions and the experts who are able to ask questions those are the people who become hugely like steve jobs Mm. those are the people that in other words they have they're really smart they have a lot of expertise but they don't settle for that like they don't rest on that they continue to question they continue to learn and that's when you become you know super successful because you've got both you've got the expertise and the willingness to learn and now you're just you're just a powerhouse at that point
1: hey guys just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show this episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook That's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I wanna tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I wanna invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're gonna get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Is that because that they are constantly questioning conventional wisdom? They're constantly updating their knowledge. They're constantly making tweaks based on what they believed was true before. Is that right. what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's what helps them not fall behind because mm-hmm. what happens a lot to experts is that they get locked in it by their own expertise. So they're locked into whatever it was, whatever way they learned how to do something or whatever was going on at the point that they became an expert, they they got so deep into that and they know everything about that area. But meanwhile, the world is moving on. And so the world moves to something new or a new way of doing things. And that old expert, if he or she hasn't, if they're not willing to evolve and learn, they're gonna be an expert in something nobody cares about anymore or nobody wants. And so that's what, where the real innovators are so great because they, they develop the expertise, they know what they're doing, but they also know they can't rest. They can't stay there because the world is constantly wanting a new answer. They can't, they can't stay with the old answers. There's always new answers needed. And that's why they have to be asking new questions all the time.
1: I love that. And one of my favorite questions to ask as a podcast host, is there anything that you've changed your mind on recently? And the reason why I like asking that question is because it shows me whether or not someone's humble enough to update their knowledge and they're asking questions themselves. So is that, is that a question that would constitute as a beautiful question as you say? Yeah. Warren? Yeah. I
0: think that's a great question. And, and it's, it's, a, you know, I, I, when I think about my work as a questioner, I'm constantly changing my mind about things like the thing we were just talking about expertise I had the belief that, you know, uh, the expertise was what mattered most and that, you know, and what I've come to realize is that, you know, that expertise should be challenged all the time. But then I've done another reversal more recently because I I see in in what's going on in the world right now is that sometimes expertise and science is getting questioned too much, you know, And it's like we have, uh, if we have a crisis or something going on, we need to rely on people who know what they're talking about. And if you're gonna constantly question them at every turn, that can be a problem. So it's interesting because that kind of threw a monkey wrench into my whole. you know my whole thing that I talk about because one of the things I talk about is question everything. You know, right. <laughs> everything's open to question. And what I'm seeing now is it's really interesting because you, like, there again, there's a paradox, and you have to have balance because you have to be able to recognize the subtle distinction between things that um, that you should question and maybe try to change, and things that you you can question them but you have to realize there's a lot of weight behind them and there's a lot of thought has already gone into them and you should not take them lightly. You should not think that you're going to overturn um, the world of expertise overnight and uh, or, or just ignore it or just resist it. So it's an interesting time we're in right now. We're in a time where we've gone through the backlash against expertise, which you could see on Silicon Valley and startups and people saying hey we're going to do things a whole different way and forget the old ways but now we're in a time with the pandemic where we're seeing oh you know expertise does matter and so we have to respect it and we have to you know we're, we're always having to negotiate this uh, this interesting thing of when do we challenge expertise and when do we respect it
1: yeah and that's interesting it's almost like too much of a good thing right you know it's, it like, can be. It can it's be. like it's like drinking water right it's like it's good right. for you but if you drown yourself that's not going to that's not going to do Well you know
0: it's, it just shows me that there are no absolutes you know and so oh. i was almost in my writing and i had almost gotten into an absolute where i where i was saying question everything question everything it's always great to question everything and you know I was guilty at that point of, of, of an absolute of, of like getting into something and saying, this is always true. Um, You can never, you can't question the idea that you should question everything because it's an absolutely true thing. And you know, what I'm, what I've rethought is, is that, you know, no, just like everything else questioning is complicated. Sometimes questioning is a positive. Sometimes it can be a negative. And our challenge is to figure out, Which is which and and when to use it and when and how to use it in a positive way and how to avoid using it in a kind of a negative way where you're just questioning things out of sheer resistance or, you know, you just are not willing to accept um, some wisdom that's out there.
1: And, you know, it's really interesting because the more I've learned as a leader and as a high performance coach for other entrepreneurs and real estate investors, the more I've learned that asking better questions is how you generate better results, but there is a balance, right? It's like, you don't want to just keep asking questions and just, you know, Hey, well, what what else is on your mind and what's the real challenge here for you? I mean, because at some point we've got to get to a result, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
0: that's, that's a big challenge with questioning. I mean, is in, in the business world, this is a big issue that I, when I talk to companies is that, um, you know, they want more questioning. Uh, they, they understand the, the importance of it. They understand the value of, of people in the company challenging the way things are done and, and questioning the industry and everything. But they're afraid that if everyone is asking questions all the time, like, nothing gets done like you just circle you just spiral down this why 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 it almost you know they're afraid like that the company is going to become like a philosophy class right where everybody is just uh, debating each other about big questions and like nobody gets anything done so um so i you know one of the things i stress is that questioning you have to approach questioning as a as a tool and you want it to ultimately be actionable so you don't want to get into philosophy if if you are questioning um you know and not taking action then really that's just philosophy right that's just uh, that's like philosophy class right it's just yeah. debating uh, endlessly um so you want your questioning to be structured in such a way that it's moving forward and it's leading to a result and and so that's one of the things i talk about in my work is you can, you can um, structure your questions so that they have a forward momentum to them. And the, the most simplest way to think about this is to think about questions as uh, if you think of three types of questions, you think of why, when you ask why, that's more like philosophy, right? When you ask why, you are, um, you're trying to understand things, you're trying to sort of make sense of things. So it's fine to ask why questions, but you can't stay there too long. If you stay with why, 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 you don't get anywhere. So what I say to people is you have to move from why to what if, and ultimately you want to get to how. Because how is, that's like an action-oriented question. How are we going to do it? How is this going to work? You know, how much is it going to cost? So you want to end up there. Uh, And you want to make sure your questions are moving forward. You can start with why, that's fine, you know, but um, you want to get from why to what if. What if is an interesting question in the middle. And what if is where you start to speculate. Okay, we understand why this is a problem. What if we tried this? What if we tried that? So now you're kind of um, brainstorming and speculating. But even that is still kind of not action-oriented yet. Ultimately, you want to get to how. And when you get to how, now you're starting to get stuff done. But what I say to business people is don't start with how. You know, like a lot of times people want to get results right away. They immediately go to how. It could be beneficial sometimes to start with more philosophical, to start with why. And that will sometimes um, show you that you might be focused on the wrong um, challenge. So if you go right to how, you might be trying to figure out how to do something. But maybe that's not what you should be doing. You know, that might be the wrong how. So asking why is going to sort of unravel the mystery a little for you. And then you start to move forward and say, okay, now we're going to get moving. How do we do it?
1: Yeah. And that's such an interesting thought because I've thought back to times where we've taken initiatives in certain ways within my company, or I've observed other colleagues taking initiatives within their company or within their investment firm. And, you know, a lot of times it's like when you ask a simple question of, hey, well, what's the outcome that you guys are after here? and why is that the outcome you're after it kind of stops people in their tracks and they're like oh that's a great question and maybe we should be doing something totally differently maybe we should be going a total different direction right absolutely
0: and so. and and really that's that's why it's so important that's why i feel like it's important to ask those why questions up front you know because that's a, there's always a time when you're starting a project or you're starting an initiative where you haven't really gotten too deep into it yet and that's a really good time to ask those sort of exploratory you know questions where you those naive questions it's a good time because you're not too deep into it yet and you can say okay let's first before we do all this let's talk about why we're doing it and what we hope to come from it and all of that
1: yeah and you talk about beautiful questions and how they can lead us to you know better outcomes in so many different directions obviously starting with that curiosity but then leading to an action-oriented standpoint and you know thinking about like creativity problem solving Uh, growth, whether it's personal or professional or revenue generating growth or even happiness. So could you give me or give us, excuse me, some examples of, you know, maybe some beautiful questions that may relate to business. And then we can go to some personal growth aspects as well.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, this is one that probably relates to business as well as personal. Um, And it's a a question that's quite popular in Silicon Valley uh, these days, but it originally was um, it came from a, a pastor who, who would say, asked this question on the pulpit, and, and the question was, um, "What what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail?" Now, the, the, this is a um, a very interesting question. The reason they it caught on in Silicon Valley is it, it, what they what that question allows you to do is to think really big. So you can set aside the fear of failure for a minute and you can just say, well, look, if failure weren't an, a problem, if, it, if, if we were guaranteed to succeed, then what's the big ambitious thing we would go after? And the, there's real value in asking that question because it will help you envision bigger goals. Now, it doesn't mean you're gonna, go, you're gonna do exactly that. Because you do have to realize failure is a reality, right? It, it, there is the possibility of ability of failure. But it just shows you, it's just going to broaden your parameters and it's just going to show you things you might not have thought of otherwise. So a lot of times with questions, it's interesting. What you're trying what you're doing sometimes with questions in, in business and, and in life is you're using um, constraints with questions. And uh, you apply a constraint or you take a constraint away. Okay, so in the case of what would we do if we couldn't fail, we've taken away the constraint of failure. We've just taken it out of the picture. And now we are imagining how we would proceed if that constraint weren't there. But I could show you the opposite of that too, where you might choose to place a constraint on there. So here's a constraint. Here's a question you could ask let's say you're developing a new product, right? And the product is going to cost um, uh, $10 or, or you have $10 in the budget to, to make it. You might ask the question, what would we, what would we do if we only had $1 or if we had to sell this product for $1? Okay, so now you're not taking away a constraint. Now you're applying a constraint, the constraint of $1, right? Um, Another example of applying a constraint is that classic question, what would you do if you only had one year to live, right? You hear that question get asked a lot. That's a constraint question, right? You're you're taking the constraint of one year and you're putting it on your life. So what constraints do is they force you to like focus or they force you to do something. They challenge you to push a little further than you would normally push. So I love questions where you either take a constraint away, or you put a constraint on. And it creates this slightly artificial scenario. But what that scenario does is it forces you to it just opens up your thinking, and it forces you to think differently.
1: I like that a lot. I really do. And and maybe I'll take it a step further. And you tell me if this would fall in the same type of category, um, you know, what What would we do if this were easy? Or what if the opposite were true? You know, because a, like,
0: yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times you look
1: at like, you know, opportunities, you're looking at deals and you're saying, hey, the market's tight and, you know, it's right. very competitive. Well, what if the opposite was true?
0: That's a very valuable thing to do is to, is to just turn things upside down. Um, because what it does is, uh, there's actually a term for that. It's called 180 degree thinking. And so it's when you, when you just think in terms of opposites, okay, and um, and it's really really valuable. I don't know if you you're a Seinfeld fan, but you know it oh, yeah. was a classic Seinfeld episode where uh, where where George uh, Costanza had like uh, the opposite. He would always do the opposite of what he thought he should do because he said. I'm always wrong. I always make mistakes. So from now on, I'm gonna start doing the opposite of what I would normally do and see what happens. And of course it didn't work out for him, but, yeah. but there's an interesting uh, value in that. Like um, a lot of times by thinking of the opposite and asking ourselves, what would be the opposite approach? What would be the opposite way to do this? It, uh, it may not give us the answer right away because a lot of times we don't necessarily wanna do the opposite, but it will show us something in between. Like we'll learn about some in-between approach. We'll say, well, we don't actually want to go opposite. We don't want to go all the way. But if we go halfway, that's interesting. And you never would have seen that unless you tried the opposite approach. It kind of shows you, um, you know, when I was doing exercises on this, the the teacher would tell us, you know, your your challenge is to, um, let's say, design a car that can't possibly work. Um, and in, in, so you would design a car that had square wheels and couldn't possibly, and so in doing that, you, it, you learn what doesn't work, and it also weirdly, in a way, shows you more about what does work. It, 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 it you know, teaches you more about what does work. So there's a, there's a lot to, that you can do with opposite type questions or sort of crazy questions, right? Counterintuitive questions that nor you know you you normally might not ask those because people would say oh that's crazy but um when you're in the creative mode crazy questions are great you know like really imaginative questions like that can be really useful
1: yeah and i think that there couldn't be anything more important for the longevity and health of a business and an organization and as a person than creativity innovation and problem solving, which is really at the heart of what you are all about and, and questioning and being a questioner. So are are there other really powerful or beautiful questions that really come to mind when you think about creativity, innovation, problem solving?
0: You know, I think about, um, with, with innovation, uh, I think about always, it's not that there's one specific question. It's more like, uh, Types of questions
1: okay. that yeah. you
0: can apply to almost any situation. So again, I go back to, you know, think about asking questions, think about asking why questions, right? Think about your whatever your situation is, whatever your industry is, whatever your work is, whatever problem you're trying to deal with. Think about how you can frame some why questions around that, around that challenge. So, for instance, if your challenge is, you know, um, a difficult relationship with uh, with a with a particular client or customer, you know, it could be it could be starting with, you know, really asking why might this relationship have gotten into trouble in the first place, or what why why is there trying to take the other person's point of view and saying why might they have an issue with what I'm doing? So, you know, think about how you can ask those why questions that will kind of help you. Um, understand the situation better Um, another really powerful type of question to ask is um, I I, uh, refer to these as how might questions so and they can either be worded as how might I or if you're problem solving with other people if you're doing a collaborative inquiry then it's how might we And how might we questions are extremely powerful. You're seeing them, uh, this is a tool that's used a lot at companies like Google and Facebook, um, when they're trying to solve problems, they bring people together and they frame the problem as a how might we question. So if, if there's an issue of, you know, this one area of the company we're not doing as well, they figure out how to frame a question that says, how might we find a way to, you know, improve that area of the company and then oftentimes what you'll do is you will not only f- necessarily frame this as a very simple one-part question but you might turn it into a really um, ambitious complicated question that tackles several problems at the same time so let's say you know you you know that one of the problems in this part of the company is if you if you increase this part of the company it's going to cannibalize this other area of the company and it's going to create problems over there so your how might we question then becomes you know how might we strengthen area a while also making sure we don't take away from b and at the same time also take into account issue number issue c and do a better job with that as well so you'd end up with this sort of how might we question that's like has like three or four parts to it how might we do this while also doing that? And also, by the way, doing this. And that becomes a question that then the team or the group of people can sort of rally behind. They can That can be their mission question. When, when you've answered that question, then you're great. Then you've done it. So um, it's probably gonna take a while. You know, it's a, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough challenge. But so I say to people, you know, think about developing how might we questions. You can also do this on your own. If you're on your own, how might I, you know? To me, this is better than a New Year's resolution. You know, I mean, uh, resolutions are, are fine, but questions are way more powerful. So if you really want to make change, you know, if you really want to establish a goal, get it framed as a question and a really ambitious question. You can't, not a question you can look up on Google. You know, these are how might we or how might I questions that there's no easy answer you're gonna to have to figure it out, you're gonna to have to work it out over time. But you can pursue that question. And that's, that's your goal.
1: That's extremely powerful. And you know, what comes to mind for me is that it, it almost triggers the subconscious mind to say, well, there are possibilities that we can solve this problem. It's almost right. like you're planting that seed, and you're creating yeah. that space for solutions to come in. Would you agree to that?
0: Yeah. Well, that's why the word might is so important. And, you know, the language is really important here. Like people think, well, you could just say, how should I, or how can I, how might I, mm. or, how might we is way more uh, powerful because if you say, how should we do this? It implies that there's only one way to do it. And we have to, we have to figure out the one way to do it. If you say, how might we, it suggests there's multiple ways of getting at it. And that's really good. Uh, you know, eventually you're going to want to narrow down to one, but at the beginning, you want to be looking at multiple possibilities because it may be that this is a complicated situation. You may have there may be several ways to come at it and you may have to work it out over time. So uh, that might word that word might opens up. Uh, it gives permission to people to say there isn't just one way. Uh, we're looking for lots of ways to do this. It's funny. I, I, I've been saying to uh, companies and I, I get about a 50 50 reaction on this. But I've been saying to companies that I go to, like Starbucks and companies like that, um, I've been saying, you should think about replacing your mission statement with a mission question. Mm. And it's a radical idea, you know, because that would be a big change for a company. But the reason I say it is because, um, and there's research to back this up, that questions are just more, um, they're more empowering. And they're more—they um, kind of inspire people. They engage people more than more than statements. When you put a mission statement out there, it just kind of, people don't know what to do with it. Like the people working for you, they say, "Okay, that's our mission statement. Fine. It's like a slogan, you know, whatever. They don't care." But when you phrase it as a question, you know, so so maybe your mission statement would be like, "We are the greatest robotics company in the world," you know. <laughs> And nobody knows quite how to react to that or what to do. But if you say, how might we become the greatest robotics company in the world? Or how might we serve the world through robotics? When you word it that way, it suddenly becomes um, more like a mission, which is what a mission statement or a mission question should do, right? It should be like a mission that we're going on a journey and so, uh, so anyway, I, I, I argue in favor of that it kind of invites people to be part of the challenge because it's a question. It hasn't been answered yet. We're looking for answers. We're looking for people to help us. And, uh, and I just think you can, you can, companies can do that. Individual people can do that. They can have a mission question. You can have a beautiful question that you are pursuing over time um, that, that kind of encapsulates what you're really trying to do, what you're really trying to get done. And uh, it's very inspiring, better than a resolution, because a resolution, you know, it's like a resolution at some point, you're either going to look at it and say, I've either done it or I haven't. And if I haven't done it, I'm a failure and all of that. Uh, A question is more ongoing. You know, you can you can feel like I'm working on this question. I'm working. I I still haven't quite answered it, but I'm working on the answer. So it, it holds up better over time.
1: I'll tell you what, uh, I've got some ideas while we're sitting here. I mean, you're opening my mind to all these possibilities and I love that thought. Even if it's, you know, maybe some of these larger companies may not think it's practical or whatever for them. I think that's just a really interesting thought about, hey, instead of a mission statement, how about a mission question? Because if you think about it, going back to the earlier parts of our conversation, you know, the best leaders ask the best questions and they allow other people to have buy-in on the answers and the direction of where you're going. And think about that if you could scale, it's almost like scaling that thought process, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. And, interesting. That, and that's that's part of what you're, you're trying to do with questions it, and it's true in relationships as well as what we're talking about here with business. It's true that if you're trying to build a one-to-one relationship with someone, um, questions are engaging, you know? Statements, not as much, you know? If you come in and start making statements about yourself or your company, um, you know, sometimes you're going to lose people because they don't care that much about your statements. But questions, you know, they show your questions will show you're interested. You want you want input from the other side. Um, they make it a two way conversation instead of a one way. And so there's all kinds of value and benefit to shifting a dialogue to a, a questioning uh, more of a questioning dialogue.
1: It's like you could almost apply it if companies want to be more engaging online, right? Today in in the 21st century, and and as we continue to f- further develop, it's like it's about engagement in social media and wherever, it, rather than hey promotions, right? It's almost yeah. like you apply it there too, right?
0: Yeah, and if you if you if you ask people questions, you you engage them, and if you're really smart as a marketer, uh, it's almost diabolical. You, you know what the answer is you want them to come up with, but you don't tell them that. You frame the question in such a way that you're pretty sure they're going to come to that answer themselves. And that way, they're buying into what you want, but they think they thought of it. Mm. They think it was their idea. And that's the best kind of um, persuasion, right? That's the, when you when you can get someone to feel like it was their idea that they they decided to buy your product on their own, um, through their own critical thinking, that's way more effective than you do in a sales pitch. So if you can craft your questions in such a way that you cause people to think in a way that's gonna cause them to make the choice you want, that's a really powerful form of marketing. Um, One of the classic examples of that was, uh, it goes back in politics to, all the way back to Ronald Reagan, and Ronald Reagan asked uh, the question um, when he was running against uh, Carter: uh, "Are you better off today than you were four years ago?" And he knew that there was a recession going on, and he knew that the chances are people are going to say, "No, I'm not." But it was way more powerful for his, for his campaign to phrase that as a question, as opposed to just coming out and saying, "Hey, you're 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 not." any better off than you were, But you know, If he can get people to think of that themselves, it's way more powerful.
1: Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from this show, this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance, and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I'm now paying it forward as a high performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high touch one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. That's really interesting. And and maybe, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, there's a paradox here as well, because on a one-to-one basis, if you're building relationships or you're uh, building influence with people, if you already are asking questions and you already know the answer that you want them to get and that they're most likely to go to, that's probably not the best way to lead other people. Would you agree with that, Warren? Well, it depends
0: what you're trying to do. Like uh, from a pure sales and persuasion perspective, you probably know that you wanna get them to a certain goal. And so I think you may be structuring your questions uh, around that. Now, as we talk about a leader of an organization uh, it's a little more complex. I think you probably don't want to be crafting your questions in such a, um, shall, shall we say, manipulative way. You know. And even for the salespeople, by the way, you shouldn't only be asking questions that are designed to get to a very basic end goal of someone buying your product. You should also be – I mean, really, if you're a good salesperson, you want to think of yourself as more than a seller – You want to think of yourself as a partner or a collaborator with the client. So you're trying, you're not just trying to sell them something like Daniel Pink uh, talks about this in his book. And it's a really great point. Like the really good salesperson um, doesn't think of themselves as a salesperson. They think of themselves as a a partner, a business partner of the person they're trying to sell, sell a product to. And so if you take that attitude, then your questions are going to be a little different you're going to design, then you're going to be asking these sort of questions. They're going to be like, how might we questions that are, how might we, you know, working together, figure out a better way for you to solve some of your business problems. So you're framing the questions in this real problem solving way that goes beyond just the product, maybe that you're trying to sell. It's like, a, it's bigger than that. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to position yourself as a real partner. And by the way, you, you're, you have this product or this service or whatever, but you're offering more than that. You're offering yourself as a partner and a mind, a thinker to help. So you're going to design, if you're thinking that way, you're going to design bigger questions that aren't just designed to lead to the product. They're designed to lead to a collaborative relationship. You know, like how can we work together? How can mm-hmm. we brainstorm together? How can we figure stuff out together? You would be, be framing questions that way.
1: Yeah, this leads me to think about negotiation and real estate investing. It's about uncovering shared mutual benefit, but also yeah. understanding motivation. And so right. there's no ulterior motive. It's true curiosity. It's true questions so that you can develop because it's a long game, right? It's going to be yeah, a long absolutely. game. The only way that you're going to win is if everybody wins mutually. And so what can we do to understand truly those levers? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, you you can see in the um i see it anyway since i'm so attuned to questions i notice it in the financial services industry now like uh if you look at charles schwab and companies like that look at their ad campaigns and what they're about now they're all about questions they're Mm. all about asking questions and um that's become the new religion there like they've kind of figured out oh okay and i think they kind of knew it before but now they really know it that it's all about being the, uh, the, being the one who asks a lot of questions of, of customers and clients to really, really understand them. And then, you know, we're going to explore these questions together. And it, it becomes a theme through that's running very strong through financial services right now. And I think it's that's what it's about. It's about this understanding that y- you really are, you're not trying to sell something. You're trying to build these long-term relationships. And then the sales will come out of that. And how do you build long-term relationships? The way you build any relationship, it, it's trust. It's building a rapport. It's creating a connection, right? How do you do that? You do that a lot of times by asking questions. So asking good. questions is probably the fastest way to build a relationship with someone. And you know where you see proof of that? Look at what, um, uh, uh, you know, people who have to do like suicide uh intervention people or terrorist intervention people or people who have to come into it and I've interviewed some of these kind of people they have to come into a a life and death situation and they have to immediately build a relationship with someone and if they don't it's going to be a disaster and they have to build trust within seconds so what do they do what's their number one tool it's questions that they they all have figured out sets of questions what they should ask how they should ask it because they know that's like that's, they, they they don't want to come in and tell, tell somebody who's thinking about committing suicide, you don't want to commit suicide, you don't want to do this, you don't, that doesn't work. So what they have to do is they have to build a, a conversation and trust, and the way they do it is through questions.
1: Warren, this is so valuable. I really appreciate you sharing all of your expertise with us and, and thinking about questioning and being a questioner and being a better questioner. Real quick, before we dive into the rapid fire section, I'd, I'd love to know, I would imagine that taking it a step further, obviously, from being a good questioner is also being a good listener. Is there any tips or practical advice that you'd have for folks to be a better listener?
0: Yeah, it, it's being a better listener is, is about holding back, you know? And it's about um, someone, I used the analogy with someone who's an expert on listening that I read. Uh, there's a very good book, by the way, called Just Listen by, I believe the author's name is Goulston, G O U L S T E N. Um, and, um, and I think he, was, he used this analogy that uh, we're used to thinking of a conversation as a tennis match. And when someone hits the ball over, you have to hit the ball back and you have to hit it even harder. So if someone's telling a story, um, you have to top it with a better story or a better anecdote. And he's, you know, he said, you, you, the hard thing with listening is to get off of that model. That's, that's not the best model for conversation. A better model is to just think of yourself as um, when that person uh, serves over to you. How can you um, dig deeper on what they've said? Get them to elaborate. Um, really, t- first, really take in what they've said, but then you know, um, go deeper on it and and uh, and ask follow up questions. So that's kind of one of the secrets of listening: is just try to resist the urge to top the person or to or to immediately come back with your own story and just um, deal with what they're saying for now and you know later on there'll be time for your stories but right now they're trying to tell you something focus on what they're saying and how can you go deeper on it and uh, how can you uh, how can you explore it more
1: I love how this is just such a growth process and it's about developing these habits, the habits of asking types of questions, the habits of listening and engaging and clarifying and truly, you know, getting out of yourself and getting into someone else. And it's almost like taking those three steps back can almost make you leap five steps forward. You know, if you're willing to do so, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah.
0: Can I give you one more tip on uh, listening and questioning? Please. Um, This is this guy named... uh, Uh, Michael Bungay Stanier came up with this idea.
1: He's he awesome, by the, the way. I love him. I'm a huge oh, you love fan. him? Yeah, he's yeah. a great coach. He's yeah. a great
0: coaching uh, expert. Um, and he, you may know this. He, he he calls it the Awe question, AWE, and it's simply and what else. So when you are talking to someone, you know you're trying to get information, to solve a problem. Um, you're asking them, uh, "What's the biggest challenge you face right now?" And they're going to tell you something, but always ask and what else because. Uh, what Michael, the point Michael makes is the first thing people tell you usually isn't the best thing or the most interesting thing or a lot of times it's not the real problem they're dealing with. It's not the real issue. The real issue is a little deeper down. And the way you get to it is just by asking them, what else? So besides that problem you mentioned, what else is there? And he said, you know, he says, and it's true, I've, I've tried it. Um, it really will, uh, it forces people to share more with you and dig a little deeper
1: and that's a that's a really important distinction because there's always a story beneath the story right there's always a reason beneath the surface level and so helping people also clarify that is really powerful and they'll thank you for that so asking better questions is not only good for us but it's good for other people so it's a
0: great way of coaching it's a great way of uh, it's it's uh and one of the things michael talks about is use questions instead of advice you know don't a lot of us are too quick to give advice use questions so that people can advise themselves right they could they can come up with their own solutions
1: yeah and i'll, I'll plug his book the coaching habit because that is a it's a big one i mean we rush to advice so much yeah. farther and, and it's about hey let's snap out of that let's notice that and right. let's ask a question next time let's ask more questions when in doubt Absolutely. so warren this is amazing i really appreciate you taking time today i want to transition into our rapid fire section we sure. call it the rare air questionnaire because we got the questionologist here with us today and, and it's about asking great questions. So I hope hopefully I've blessed you with decent enough questions today and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. But if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past couple of years, are there any that come to mind?
0: Uh, yeah, actually I'm reading one right now that's pretty impactful. It's uh, by Adam Grant and it's called Think Again. And so this is a, in, in the whole area of uh, kind of... Um, uh, overcoming your biases, um, forcing yourself to think a little deeper about things before making quick decisions. And uh, another book that was in a similar vein to that, that is a Pulitzer Prize winning famous book, it's, it's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And that had a big influence on me because it was really, uh, I'm very interested in, in critical thinking and how we, why we think the way we do, how we think the way we do. So that was that was a big one for me. I, I think I already mentioned Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink's books uh, have been really big for me. You know, book a book like Drive, a book like To Sell as Human, uh, a whole new mind. Um, he he is just a really really um, you know powerful uh, author. So I I'd mention those three guys for sure.
1: That's awesome. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes to those books, as well as Warren's books, because he's got some amazing work as well. Eight books, in fact, so we'll, we'll definitely put links in the show notes of where you can find Warren's work. But thank you for that. And uh, aside from our discussion today, Warren, what's the, the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of asking amazing and beautiful questions?
0: You know, um, one of the things I do, and it's going to sound funny, it's going to sound counterintuitive, I mentioned it at the top of the show, is, is that I cut myself off. And, and you would think, okay, that doesn't elevate your life, like you should be going out into the world and meeting people and doing stuff. But I find that if you are willing to go um, into uh, a quiet period every day, and cut yourself off. And really important nowadays, cut yourself off from the Internet. You've got to do it um, for extended periods, a couple of hours at a time, because you need to allow yourself time to hear your own voice and to think. And the way our world is right now with, with media, constant media, you are constantly bombarded by other voices and your own voice gets lost. And so I think we, we all need to, what, you don't have to be a writer and this is true for everyone. Um, y- you just have to force yourself quiet, time sort of offline, maybe by yourself if you, can, if you have the right place and uh, try to do that as often as you can. Use that time to work on longer term projects, use that time to think, use that time to make important decisions, uh, use that time to do all the stuff you can't do in your everyday, hectic, crazy life.
1: Thank you for that. That's a great reminder for all of us because we're surrounded by so much technology, which is a great thing, but also at some point it's almost too great of a thing. It so, is, it's too much. Yeah, thank you for that reminder. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Warren?
0: Uh, well, I like to think it's by asking questions, <laughs> you know, which is not, <laughs> not a surprise, I guess, since I'm a questionologist, but, um, but I, I try to ask them, you know, uh, what, what, what is going on right now in your life that is either a big challenge? is something you're passionate about. Um, I, I'm trying to get them to be able to share something that maybe they would like to share and they haven't had an opportunity to share it. And they need a, uh, they just need someone to invite them to share it.
1: Thank you so much, Warren. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today?
0: Uh, just the, the, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier that think about uh, finding your own question. Think about finding your own beautiful question. Um, And, you know, based on some things you'd like to see happen, something you'd like to see done, make it ambitious, but not too ambitious, you know, make it something that is actually doable, you know, maybe you don't want to start with, you know, creating world peace or something, you know, start with something that's like in your life that you might be able to do, but is very ambitious, and then frame it as as a powerful how might I question, and then put it, post it somewhere, share it with other people, get it out there into the world and work on it.
1: That's amazing. And uh, this has been a phenomenal conversation. It's really opened my mind to a lot of new possibilities. And I hope that it's done the same for the listeners. Warren, I just want to thank you so much. I want to honor you for your work. I want to honor you for your commitment to asking more beautiful questions and opening yourself and others to new paradigms. So thank you so much. And um, where's the best place for Elevate Nation to find you and engage with you further on your work?
0: Uh, the best thing is it's just my website a more beautiful question which is just amorebeautifulquestion.com that's like a warehouse or storehouse of everything to do with questioning and uh, anything you might want to know about that subject and including fun stuff you know you'll find you'll find there
1: outstanding warren thank you so much my friend
0: it was great talking to you and i uh, great questions by the way
1: thank oh, you i appreciate you that means a lot coming okay. from you thank you sir talk to you okay. soon. okay Wow! Amazing show with the great Warren Berger, and uh, I tru- truly meant that. I think that this this show gave me a ton of new paradigms to open up uh, and to share with my team, to share with the people I care about around me. And so it's really, really exciting what you can do when you think bigger, based on questions like, "Hey, what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would we do if we had one dollar? What would you know? What would really be true if the opposite were true?" And you know why is this possible? Why are we doing things like this? How might I, how might we accomplish X, Y, and Z? How might we make this process easier? How might we grow our business? How might we solve this problem? How might we negotiate this deal? I just think it is so amazing when you think about these questions and how you can apply them and how you can create more of a habit of asking beautiful questions and what that might do for your life, and um, it is an absolute honor for me to bring this episode to you. And I wanna encourage you to re-listen to the show, identify your top three key distinctions, what are the top three types of questions that you would like to make a habit in your life, in your business, in your relationships, and so on and so forth, because this can be a life changer, it truly can. And I wanna encourage you to share this with a friend, you know, share your share with your friend or your colleague, or your business partner, what are you taking away? What type of questions are you going to start asking? What ideas do you have that you can apply to your next negotiation, your next business uh, meeting, what have you, uh, your next relationship meeting? I mean, my goodness, this can be applied personally and professionally to elevate to the next level. So I wanna encourage you to re-listen to the show, but most importantly, I wanna encourage you to take massive action because at the the end of the day, it's about application, it's about execution, it's about experience. So I wanna encourage you to go out there and elevate your life, elevate others around you. Until next time, I wanna encourage you also to lead, create and elevate because that's what we're all about here and Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Elevate.